Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When Katy Perry was first coming up and she hadn't done, she wasn't signed anywhere or anything, and we were at the Mint on, I think, Beverly, and she was just doing her performance with her amp and her guitar. And I specifically told her not to tell anyone that I was gay. <laughs> she was the, uh, I don't even know, everyone knew, but I didn't think anyone knew. And I'm with my boyfriend and we'd go on double dates all the time. And I'm her biggest cheerleader, so I'm screaming the loudest, you know, I know all the songs. And she's like, you can always tell where the gays are. You are so many things, Marsha, and in the little time that I have, you know, gotten to know you online, I'm already fascinated at the uh -huh. amount of life that you've lived since you've moved to LA. But you are a human rights activist, yes. a jewelry designer, like all over the nightlife scene, you have been working in nightlife, coming up as a VIP, a restaurant owner, you know, formerly in film and television, so many things. So many things, actually. I feel like I've lived a hundred <laughs> lives. It's insane. I mean, but it's beautiful it to is. see how much you've reinvented yourself yeah. and not even to mention the fact that now you've publicly transitioned yes. in a space and talking about it on your very own podcast. Yes, definitely. So, um, yeah, podcast host, add that to the list. Welcome to Open Late. Thank Marcia. you so much for having me, honestly. Um, and, I'm, and I've been listening to you for like hours now. Um, <laughs> That's what we do. It's like, yeah, oh, I did a you. deep dive and I'm like, I love your energy and I'm so thankful you're here to have me. Thank and you. Share your platform. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming over here to the to the West Side. Yeah. So I'm imagining you live in West Hollywood. I live in Los Feliz, actually. Oh, I was wrong. Yeah. Okay. But I did live in West Hollywood for the longest time. I think I still might like dive into politics in West Hollywood. Okay. You know, is that too early to start saying? Please no. It's, Please tell but me just, more. <laughs> just you thinking like yes. So I think West Hollywood will be kind of always my little. Your home, your home. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So where to dive in? Well, first of all, I would just like to say that <laughs> before we dive into your life, when I was checking out your IG, when I first, you know, got connected with you through our mutual friends, uh -huh. I was like, oh, I was at the Stevie Nicks Billy Joel concert. And <laughs> I like, I think it was that day that I, that I checked you out and I went to see both of those artists in the last year because they're some of my favorite people yeah. on the planet that make music. And I was like, we're going to get along. Oh, yeah, we're going to be great. <laughs> we're going to be great. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely lover of the old music and yeah. like classic. I don't, do you, like I was talking to a friend the other day. I think it's kind of like your different music tastes, just like we were saying with astrology, I think maybe even like past lives kind of like, which I believe in kind of feeds into that because I don't remember there's no one that in my family that listens to classical music there's mm. no one and for whatever reason like since I could remember even as a kid I would play the classical music station yeah and it really kind of like I don't know it does something very special to me like one it kind of makes like driving in LA which everyone is always in their car feel like a movie set yes. or movie scene yes. with a score that is like mm -hmm. Beethoven or Mozart or something like that. But, you know, I, I find it interesting that people, when people do love certain types of music. Yeah. I, I like generally like every type. I yeah. Think. You have a very eclectic taste. Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like nowadays in the music scene and in the industry and in nightlife, right, in restaurants, you almost have to bring a lot of different genres oh, yeah. because that's what people want. Like people aren't subscribing these days to like what's trendy. No. It's like... Well, we even old songs are starting to trend yeah. because of like TikTok and you're like, wait, what is happening? Mm -hmm. like, so like, you're bringing like all that multidimensional yeah. music into, I feel like, the spaces that you're going into all the time. Influential spaces, I think like... You know, and it is important, the music that you play that sets a setting for everyone else. For instance, last night I was at this um, 
a charity fashion dinner and someone looked across at me and they're like, would you play this music at a dinner? And I was all, mm-hmm. you know, cause it was very hard and no one could talk yeah. to each other. But then it got me thinking about what music does to a setting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it really bothered people. Yeah. You know, or it could relax people on, you know, make people more open. Right. You know, if they, someone here is like lightly hearing in the background your favorite song, it puts you into a mood. Yeah, already. You know, so it's super mm-hmm. interesting. You know, I was thinking about like what we do for our restaurants and nightlife and nightclubs. And it is about like also reading a room and being able to like figure that out. Mm-hmm. Like, being able to see like what can elevate the space and yeah. what can open people up even more. Yeah. And you have to almost foresee that like these are the types of people that are coming tonight and are even walk into a room and be able to be like, I think we need to change the mood up. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I want to dive into nightlife, but I also would love to do this in a bit of a chronological you order. You want to go in the beginning? I would love to go to the beginning. Classic <laughs> podcast host shit. Yeah. But um, I think for people who don't know you, you know, knowing that you've been, you've been in the nightlife scene a long time in Los yeah. Angeles, but you actually come from... A small town, right? Yes. Yes. In Central California. I was actually in like Future Farmers of America and like listened to country music. Wait a minute. Yeah. You were in FFA. I was in the FFA. This is so crazy. I went to a high school in Pennsylvania where FFA was the biggest club yeah, that they had. That chapter. Yes. <laughs> the Pennsylvania chapter. Yes. Um, yeah. It was wild. I don't, I don't exactly know how I got into it. I think it was um, either you took... Uh, uh, agricultural science mm-hmm. or you took chemistry and a couple of my friends dipped out and took agricultural science yeah. and then there I was like dissecting a cow and grating oranges all of a sudden <laughs> and I'm like well I guess I'm in this world <laughs> yeah. and um, they were listening to country music so you know I I just I actually really appreciated that time I learned so much and I think my appreciation for animals now in general started from there and just life and like appreciation for food and how we get it Mm. you know like that really like it's there's so much things that happen before it gets to your grocery store and gets to you there's so many hands and other souls that touch your food before Mm -hmm. it gets to you and you know I've always thought about that I'm so grateful that I did do that and took that time for myself even though it wasn't always easy I'll tell you because um Living in Central California is, you know, is the same as living in, you know, some backwoods place in Alabama. Right. It's a small town is a small town. Mm -hmm. And people were not nice about anything different. Yeah. And I always felt like I was either fighting for myself or fighting for someone else. Because before that, I I grew up in the Bay Area. Mm. So when my mom moved us to a small town, I was like... I would tell people that they were dumb yeah just by the things that ignorant things they said yeah and I would, well, I was I would look at them and be like you're so ignorant like mm. you can't call people that or you can't say that and and also thankful that I was able to like have that awareness at a young age yeah you know but um but there was a lot of you know hardship growing up in like small town Future farmer. I guess it was yeah. almost a, a defense to like, oh, well, I'm just going to join them, mm, you know, see what they're doing. And, you know, then I had like friends that would defend me and like, I didn't know about my sexuality then. I was going to ask. So yeah. like, when did you realize that, you know, sexually you're like, I'm not the norm. That is what's here, you know, because this is very, you know, closed minded, probably yeah. very heteronormative. I, so I even though I thought those things, my mom was super religious. Mm-hmm. So I would go back and forth where mm. like I would be into Christianity trying to save my friends mm. at like 12 years old, getting them to come to church. Wow. And I wanted to save everyone. And then at one point, I remember maybe like junior high, I'm listening. I'm all, this isn't right. Like they're, it was like hating on everything. You couldn't do yoga. I'm like what's wrong with yoga? Yeah. Like, yoga was the devil. I'm like, I can't with y'all. Y'all are just, nothing's right. I'm just trying to work out over here. Yeah. 
but so I had a lot of struggle with, um, I didn't know that I was gay then. Mm. I would think some guy was cute or in the locker room or maybe admire their body or mm-hmm. something, but I would never act on it. I wouldn't right. just because it was just society wise. Yeah. Especially in a small town. Mm-hmm. Anyone different got picked on immediately. Yeah. Also as a kid, I feel like you don't realize that that's like, and I'm doing air quotes for people who aren't watching the YouTube and just listening like normal because, you know, society like this is the norm. But I, I remember being younger and being really attracted to women as well and like being attracted to everybody actually. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that wasn't the norm right. or what, until I got you know, into like later years in high it. school. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine you're like, you know, looking at guys and being like, oh, okay, like good looking or whatever. Yeah. Not realizing not, that. But oh, I got hit is- on in high school and I responded very badly, you know, and um, it was like looking back, I'm like, what? you were in drama as well. And like I was mm. coming from a drama, a drama trip and um, this uh uh, someone in my class asked if they can kiss me. Mm. And I was just like, get away from me. Yeah. Like, so you, you pushed him away? Pushed him away and like was so freaked out by it. But okay. really I was freaked out for my own feelings. Yeah. And what that would be. It wasn't until I moved to LA. I was still trying to date girls when I moved to LA. And I, my roommate was like, she didn't say anything at the time. But she was just like, Oh, and I'm like, I'm going to go get that girl's number. And she's like, go ahead, sweetie. Yeah. Um, was she older than you? No, we were the same age. Okay. So we kind of were just discovering things along with each other. And she's still one of my best friends today. And it wasn't until um, I was about 19, maybe 18. I was um, back in the day when you used to have to like, put your resume on the back of your headshot oh, at yeah. Kinko's. And oh, like, yeah. Sometimes you mess the first couple ones up and be mm-hmm. upside down. And headshots were black and white. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would take those and then like, you know, I was walking home uh, from Kinko's and I met a guy and we, you know, end up hooking up and it was, I, my, my life exploded that day. Like, mm. I cried. I like wrote him the longest love letter. Like <laughs> I was like, "You're it for me." Like, wow, the and, first. So your first hookup ever. Yeah. With a guy, you fall in love. Fell in love. You're like, that's that new and relationship was like, energy, people. Chill out. And I was like, wait, no, you don't understand. My world's been so like <laughs> cut off. You know. How old are you at this point? I I think I was 18. Okay. So still young, yeah. but like. It was brand new to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I fought also, like, I was still trying to prove my masculinity at that mm-hmm. time. Because um, I was always in, like, martial arts or wrestling or some sort of sport to try to, I think, to try to prove, like, yeah. I can be strong, you know. And um, now those two things are married in my life. Like, I, I'm very athletic and I don't think one takes away from the other. I don't totally. think that being strong takes away from being feminine, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think I had to go through all those processes, you know, and, and, and also I was trying to be an actor. So I had to hide in that respect. People would come up and like, you could be a star, but like your voice, we'd have to like help you with your voice or, you know, the way you talk mm-hmm. or the way you handle yourself. Right. And, that doesn't help anyone being an actor. You can't really dive into your own stuff. Magic. Yeah, your own magic that makes that happen when you're constantly thinking about all these other things like, mm-hmm. you know. What box can I, Yeah. what, what box can I easily fit in for, for these people to understand yeah. me rather than like be fully expressed? And there was not like any kind of real queer representation at that time. I think I would have felt a lot differently about myself. And had I had that, Mm. um, because it just wasn't there. And so being an actor, I was definitely uh, trying to hide myself. And I remember um, when Katy Perry was first coming up and she hadn't done, she wasn't signed anywhere or anything. And we were at the Mint on, I think, Beverly. 
and she was just doing her performance with her amp and her guitar. And I specifically told her not to tell anyone that I was gay. <laughs> she was the, uh, I don't even know, everyone knew, but I didn't think anyone knew. And I'm with my boyfriend and we'd go on double dates all the time. And I'm her biggest cheerleader, so I'm screaming the loudest. Mm. You know, I know all the songs. And she's like, you can always tell where the gays are. And I walked out of that place. And I was so angry. And my you boyfriend's following so me. I'm all, that bitch. Oh I specifically God. told her, you know. And it was lighthearted. And it was like, she just loved me. Yeah. And I think she wanted that for, for me as well. Yeah. And I, but I remember having such a reaction to it. Like, so angry mm. and upset that she'd betrayed me. And it wasn't even that. You know, I got over it quickly after. But, I, you know, it's just along the journey, I think. You know, yeah. That, and even discovering now who I am, I'm, it's every day. I think this is so fascinating because I, most people, and, like, I can only speak for my own journey, but going along, discovering who you are when who you are inherently is taboo in society, mm. right? Like for me, it's, you know, being polyamorous and yeah. being looked at as like so other, or even bisexual when I started to really own that and then being like, actually, I'm not bi, I'm queer. And people being like, oh, pick one. And it's like- Pick one. Oh, right? Along the way, you realize that there's that resistance to self mm -hmm. because, you know, like you're trying to- present yourself in a way that's like palatable to other people or, or at least this is how I feel so hearing you tell your story of like not wanting to know like not wanting people to know or not wanting to be found out I'm curious when for you it switched to be like oh don't tell anybody to be you know here I am unapologetically wow was there like um, one moment yes I think it was mm. I was going to say my first boyfriend, um, I, we lived pretty openly, I think, but in professional level, I, I wouldn't let anyone know then. Mm. Um, I'll tell you that thinking back on it, it, it wasn't until I started interacting with um, more LGBTQI plus activists in mm. watching their stories and seeing their struggles and you know and, and it wasn't even in the time that I was living in it was like in the 70s in the 50s and them living their true self every day under those kind of circumstances over the like going out and dressing as you'd like and say you might be wearing a dress maybe you wear a dress every day but you're getting arrested every day you're going to jail, you're getting beat up, you're going to get raped, you're getting all these things, but you're doing it again the next day. I don't know if I would have the strength to live in that time mm -hmm. because I can, I'm, people always tell me like, oh, you're, you're so great that you're living your authentic self. And I, yes, but it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. You don't always want to be in a room and be the, the only one. Yeah. You don't want to be always stared at of like or like oh so great you know yeah. but so is she you know and and so are they you know but to be the only one sometimes it's like not always easy right and so um so it was a community that had you it was feel a community safer yeah to that made to me want to like live proudly and outly but i along the way you know i it took me forever to like get my nails done to paint my nails was like, okay, I'm gay, but I'm not that. Yeah. I'm not. Or like someone would be like, again, for Katie, she was, she's along my journey the whole way. So um, for her hot and cold music video, mm -hmm. she wanted me to wear a dress. Yes, you were in yeah. that video. Yeah. And I I didn't want to wear a dress. I was embarrassed. I, I don't know why I fought it so much, but I called her the next day and I said, how about I wear a pink tuxedo instead, you know? <laughs> and she's like, I don't understand why you're fighting this. And I was like, I don't, I don't think it's funny or I don't like, I don't want to be made a joke, you know? Mm. And she's like, it's not that it's honestly, it's going to be great. And so I trusted her and it was great. And it was great. 
And she was right, you know, and but I, again, find it interesting how much I fought it. Like, I didn't want to be in a dress. I didn't want to be seen that way. Mm. Because I, I guess that comes from my childhood. You know, if we want to talk about um, at a young age, I knew, I felt like I was a woman. Mm-hmm. Before I knew what that was. Yeah. You know, before you really know what gender is, I was feminine. I was hiding dresses at five years old, risking harm. Like, if yeah. I was ever found out, I would have gotten beat. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was the culture I grew up in. And, like, you know, my uncles were pastors. And if you did anything feminine, you're getting beat up. Yeah. You know, and so even still, I risked harm. I still needed to have that time with myself. Mm-hmm. I still needed to put on a dress at five years old and hide it and put my nail polish on and put my lipstick on. And then I take it all off. Yeah. And and then go back to who mm-hmm. I presented myself to be. And so, you know, it's, it's just been a journey. And every day, like, I get more comfortable with myself. And, you know, to be here now and, and say that I'm transgender is, is really special. Yeah. You know, and I think it's important as well because... Um, so many people are told to hide. Mm. And if one person, like I said, if there was more representation, I might think differently about myself. Yeah. You know, which is important, I think. Well, I'm so grateful that you're sharing this story because it is important for everyone who's watching and listening and looking for a leader, looking for a muse, looking for a safe place and community. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, can you share with us a little bit about your transition? Because... Yes. I imagine that there's people in like in the shoes that you were in when you were younger who don't even like know where to begin or what the journey entails. So for me, I never knew it was a possibility to trans- transition mm-hmm. because the only representation I would see of transgender girls were sex workers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, were portrayed as like, the murderer, crazy person in a movie. Right. You know, there wasn't, it didn't look like a life that was possible for mm-hmm. me. Who would hire me? You know, in the sense of like the timing that I was growing up. Yeah. So once again, I didn't know what that would look like, but then I started meeting friends, like I said, and, and it's all about community. And I saw Gigi Gorgeous and her transition Mm -hmm. and knowing her from the beginning before she got surgeries. And I was, I just had this beam of pride every time she did something. And why? I think because it made it a little bit more possible for me every time she did something. It it would chip away at that wall that I had built up for so long that wouldn't let that five-year-old be. Mm. Because I stopped letting that happen. I stopped dressing in women's clothes or, you know, at a very young age. So I really repressed it. And so by the time, you know, now where I faced with my transition was during the pandemic. I was sitting with myself. My phone's not ringing because no one needs anything from me. No one needs a reservation Mm. or to be led into a party. My phone completely starts ringing. Yeah. No, No one's asking, how am I doing? In a sense, besides my clothes. But I, because my phone would go off like a lot. Yeah. You know, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Nothing happens in Hollywood without yeah. you. <laughs> well, and, you know, for, and for my like small area of that. But yes. And so those friends that are your friends every day, like we're family, right? Mm-hmm. Those all went away mm-hmm. in an instance. And I was like, okay, well, who am I really living for? And I sat with myself, I meditated, I talked to the moon, I talked to the universe, and I said, okay, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna know that I'm always protected, I'm gonna stop worrying about what everyone else thinks. And that moment, you know, I just slowly started and again, my friends were driving forces in it, like 
when I wasn't particularly not, I wouldn't say ready, but I didn't know how to do the next steps. Mm. Do you want to be called Marsha? You know, my friends would say, and I'm like, yeah. Okay. Next trip. Everyone. This is Marsha. She, her. Yeah. And then I would come back from a trip and then other people weren't calling me that. And it would feel off. Yeah. Marcus felt off to me. Mm. It was, I've already gone too far. And, and so now having people call me Marsha and I, I wanted to stick with that. I just wanted to, my first year of transitioning, I wanted to just come out publicly as transgender and see where that sat with me. And it only was positive. Mm. So now I'm starting hormones that I just started a couple of months ago and, um, uh, tea blockers. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I've decided to do the patch and not the shot. Okay. Um, my doctor says it's pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all information that I'm learning and growing yeah. from. I asked, you know, some transgender sisters what they do. Um, and everyone kind of does it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, I was talking with Yanta in the car on the way over and I said, you know, I have a, another friend that told me she doesn't do any of that. And mm-hmm. you couldn't tell. And and it, and your transition has nothing to do with the things you do for it. You, you don't have to do anything. Right. It doesn't make you less or more of a woman. These are steps that I want to choose for myself. Mm. And it's all different along your journey. Like I said, I'm just trying things. I'm going to try the hormones for a year and see where I go. And then I think I'm going to explore um, FFS, uh, female feminization surgery. Okay. There's like these kind of little things that you can do to, you maybe not even notice that I would have any surgery. I don't. But in the time that I do it, they just kind of tweak these little things that like okay. feminize yeah. you that you don't think about. Mm. Um and so, you know, I think that'll be my next kind of dive in. We'll see. I don't particularly think at this point that I need or want any surgeries. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, yeah. you know, when I see um, other trans girls get to the next, their next level or their next step along their journey, sometimes I want, yeah, you know, I want to know what it's like to have bigger boobs. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. Um, Not because I think that's what makes a woman, but it's kind of what is coming along to form myself. Right. You're like curious about how it would feel. Yeah. Yeah. In your body. Yeah. I I have to say, I I really love, it's so Taurus, actually, the way that you're going about this process. I think you're like, I'm going to do this piece. And I'm going to give myself a year. Yeah. And I'm going to sit with it and like see how it feels. It's it's such a grounded way to right. like explore yourself and like all of who you are. Yeah. And I think that's really amazing. And not that that's the right way, right? Like whoever's listening. There's no right way. You're like, way. you know, running out to do these things because it's like what you've always wanted. Of course, like that's what you should do. Yeah. But I think it's really cool that you are in a space of like exploration and play. And, and like giving yourself time to evolve. It's, it, it's really cool. It is that. Um, but, you know, since then, lately, I find it hard. Or I don't feel like Marsha when I wear pants. Okay. Like, I can't touch any of my masculine clothes that I had before. No mas. No mas. <laughs> like, and, you know, and, yeah. and you know... In celebration, I don't think I should. Yeah. Because now I finally can wear the dresses that I want. I don't have to hide them underneath mm-hmm. the sink anymore. You know, yeah. I can live freely. And, you know, also with that, it, it comes with its challenges as well. Like, I don't feel comfortable always in, like, going directly into the women's bathroom. Or mm-hmm. I definitely don't feel comfortable going into a men's bathroom. Yeah. You know, so it's I'm in this kind of like limbo stage that I'm finding ways to be comfortable with myself mm. because, you know, it's hard to get rid of all the society noise mm-hmm. of what's wrong and what's right. And I don't also want to disturb anyone else's peace, but that's not how I should be living. Right. 
you know, I should, but these are these things that I go through. It's a, it's a constant conversation, you know, me sitting in my car and where do I use the restroom? Mm. You know, and I have safe spots that I've made up that I've found along the city of like, well, if I make it this far, I can go here. Yeah. If I make it over here, I can, I know this bathroom is an all gender bathroom Mm -hmm. and I'll go there, you know, even my own office building, like I choose floors to use the restroom where no, I know that there's not very many people on. Mm. I don't want to be seen in the bathroom. I don't want to have any interaction. And, and I have girlfriends that are better at it than I am or are more resilient to it. You know, for instance, like I remember being at um, one of one of my spaces, uh, Blind Dragon, and I was talking to my friend Sophia, who's partners with Caitlyn Jenner, and we were talking for a brief second. And I was trying to like not, you know, have anyone hear me, but I was scared to use the men's restroom because I was in like I had a wig on, and this is before my transition, mm-hmm. before I like was comfortable with it. But I didn't feel comfortable going to the men's restroom. And I, I said, will you go to the bathroom with me? And Sophia was like, what is that, honey? And I was like, oh, I just, I don't feel comfortable going to the bathroom. And Caitlin walked over and she's like, what's going on? And then Sophia's she's like, like, blown up my spot. Um, she wants to go to the bathroom, the women's bathroom. And Caitlin puts down her drink. She goes, let's go. Yeah. And marches in there, mm. swings the door open. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I used the restroom, and I, but I felt safe in that moment. It was like one of the first times I've used the women's bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then in New York, we ran into each other at a fashion event, and I, she took me right to the bathroom again. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, that, and that's great to find, you know, she understood yeah. my struggle, mm-hmm. you know, is what I'm saying is like, she get, I'm sure she had it, you know, and so... I'll build up to it, but mm-hmm. still it's, it's such a, it's a constant struggle in my head every day. Like, where's the bathroom I'm going to use? Yeah. And like for people listening to this, I'm, I'm so happy that you're sharing because it's not something that someone who, you know, was born uh, as the gender that they feel would ever have to do those mental gymnastics, Yeah, you know? And it's like sharing our experiences and our inner thoughts are, it's so, you know, if if we have a safe space to do it, like, and it takes a lot of courage as you're sharing and demonstrating for us, it's so important for the younger people coming up to hear that, like, oh, wow, okay. Like, they feel that way too. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, like, you have this trend in your life of, like, your friends kind of, like, crusading for Angels, you and, like, like, pulling you out. Yeah. Like, being like, no, okay, we, this is it. You're wearing a dress. Or, right. like, you're going by she, her. Yeah. Or, like, you were you going in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, that it's so, it's cool to know and to hear that. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You have people that really see you yeah. and people that show up and support you. And that's. So I'm just getting the chills now when you said the people really see you. I ran into a friend in Texas and he called me Marcus and mm-hmm. I said, oh, it's Marsha now. And he's like, oh, so is this it? Like just dresses for you? Like no more male clothing? And I was all, nope, this is it. And when I came back to the table, I told my friend, uh, my best friend, August Getty, and I was like, Oh, he, he said it in like this kind of weird way. Like, this is it. Like, this is it for you. Um, 
And I had to like explain like, no, this is it. Like I'm not, what? Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, then he didn't really ever know you because if anybody mm. really ever knew you, they, they would know you were always a woman. Yeah. And oh. I was like, exactly. Now Thank I you for always chance. seeing me. And he's like, and a lot of my friends are like, I don't, you were always Marsha, mm-hmm. you know? And, and before I decided to take the name Marsha, my friends had already started calling me Marsha mm. for years. I had a small group of friends. They only called me Marsha. It was a nickname they made up through Marcus. Yeah. And and for whatever reason, that was that's who I am supposed to be, mm-hmm. was Marsha. Because I'll tell you, like, I was on this plane, and the woman checks me in. And, and these are just kind of those, like, affirming moments in your life that if you look back, this is who you were meant to be. Yeah. You know, like, just like within my business of, you know, restaurants and stuff, like, those, that road led me... To, to everything I needed to be then. And so this woman was like, hey, you're Marcus. Um, I'll be serving you. And you ordered the vegan meal today. Okay. And, and I'm watching a movie and she goes, oh my God, Marsha. I love this movie, Marsha. Overly called me Marsha. She sat on the chair and she's like, oh, don't you love her, Marsha? And yeah. I'm tripping because only my close friends had called me Marsha. And I'm looking at her like, what is happening? And I get off the plane and I write a friend that only knows I'm coming. I'm all, did you tell the stewardess? This is a commercial flight. I'm like, did you tell the stewardess to call me Marsha? He's like, what are you asking? I don't know how I would do that. Yeah. And I was like, the strangest thing happened. And it's not strange because for me, it's just a a marker of like Mm. the universe telling me Marsha is ready, Mm -hmm. you know? And... It's just those kind of moments that I know that I'm on the right path. It's time for Marsha. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the little synchronicities or kismet moments where you're like, okay, exactly where I'm supposed to be on my journey. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about work a little bit? Because you're kind of a boss, babe, and I love it. Like, I have to say, I, full disclosure, like, I am the worst when it comes to, like, I live in LA, but I have no idea what happens west of the 405. I really don't. And I I moved here, I told you this earlier, to, you know, attempt my acting career. I have a theater background in in college. That's like what I studied. And so in my younger 20s, I was like in Philly, New York. And then I gave it up for like seven years. I moved to LA to pick it back up. And like, I was like, no, this is my dream. What am I doing bartending? So I moved here and for two years, I lived in West Hollywood and I, you know, did every job I could get, like every web series. I was at the Groundlings and I would go out at night to like clubs and yeah, I would like, you know, go to nightclubs and go to great restaurants and I haven't been out in so long. I've been to Bootsies. You've been to Bootsies. Um, And I actually have been to Delilah once, but it was years ago, like years. Um... So knowing that this is your life, like (laughs) fill me in. And how did you come up in like what interested you in nightlife and now like to be a restaurant owner? Well, I'll tell you, naturally, I'm uh, I love my own space. Mm -hmm. I love to be alone. I love, you know, just sitting with myself. So which is kind of not like one of my close friends always goes, what people don't realize is that you love being alone. So you're an introvert. I'm very much an introvert, but I can be an extrovert as well. Mm -hmm. And I think I can just kind of like, so I grew up in theater Mm -hmm. acting, which I think helped me deal with people. It's about listening, right? Mm -hmm. And responding. Mm -hmm. And so I think with nightlife and just hospitality in general, this is the, this is what makes you different yeah. is is making connections with people. And so I moved here uh, to do acting as well. Mm-hmm. I went to film school. I studied with like Jeff Goldblum was my coach at one mm-hmm. point. And in class was like Giovanni Ribisi and James Franco and all the things. And, um, and then eventually I wanted, I needed to make money because 
you know, it's rare you get jobs in that field. And so I started uh, working for a fashion designer, which then, which I'll later like realize that I needed in that moment because I wasn't in fashion. Hmm. Then learning this woman's craft because she was, she also came from film school and how that kind of translated over to fashion. Mm. And that really kind of got me involved with like the understanding it as an art form, you mm. know, watching people create their designs um, and actually using it as, you know, a visual of who you can be. Yeah. And so I started experimenting with fashion then. Um, and then I started writing uh, uh, I had my own blog called uh, Marcus is the Drug. And after that, um, I met John Terzian mm-hmm. through a mutual friend. We met at like a, a Kings of Leon Grammy party. Nice. And he invited me to this space that he had started called Stork, which was his first venture. And um, which would later become H1. And so he asked me to just stop by. And then he was like, you know, if you want to write your blog here, come in. And we became just really tight best friends. And I was involved with, he'd bring me to every meeting. And it wasn't until he was switching over to Hwood and switching a couple of partners that he asked me to be involved. And so it was a smaller involvement then, but you know, with wanting to be around each other all the time and him including me in everything and wanted me to really learn as as he learned, you know, mm-hmm. it was new for him as well, that I got more involved and it just kind of grew into its own thing that I didn't necessarily set out for. Right. You know, like I said, I started with film school, but all of those tools leading up to it would later help me on in this hospitality world. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of things that we didn't know about you know, starting off and it wasn't, it wasn't like we've always had hits, you know, we've had a lot of misses and, um, and not always in our control. There was like police bullying back then huh? before they had cams. Mm. So like, we couldn't get anyone to help us with that. You know, it was like a mafia. They were like, uh, we want cash payout to leave you alone. Also, we're going to take your DJ equipment. Are we going to arrest your GM every night? What? And so that, you know, when, meanwhile, we're providing jobs. Yeah. We are like, you know, very much involved in the community and charities mm-hmm. and, you know, in politics. And none of that mattered when it came to the police. It's so interesting. Like no, no amount of like who we knew, none of that mattered. Mm-hmm. You know, we had dealt with uh, the mayor and the governor at the time and none of that seemed to help yeah Um, and so eventually we had to shut down like we john moved in with his parents we were paying like each other's uh phone bills on credit cards and trying to yeah i think john was i think i just learned about this that he was using a personal credit card to pay employees wow and you know eventually keep things afloat yeah and that's that's you know, when I say like my partners now are like lightning in a bottle finding a group like this. Mm. One, they respect and treat me like a queen. Mm. They love me like a sister, you know, and it, it didn't, it made my transition that much easier because if I had to work in a place where I couldn't be myself, you know, someone was like, why do you have your nails done? You know, you're not a woman or something like that. And I've had friends had that experience. Yeah. I'm so grateful to like be in a space where I'm so welcomed Mm -hmm. and even cheered. And, um, and I, and I know that's, that's rare and I'm grateful for it and, and that we've all found each other, but we had to take a step back. So after that, um, having to shut down, I moved to Paris Oh, and I my worked, mother-in-law was yeah. in Paris. Really? Mm-hmm. It's it's my second home. It's it's really where my home home and my heart is. Um, and I lived there for three years, and I worked for a fashion branding firm. 
So it's sort of like Emily in Paris. When I watch that, I'm all, this all happened to me. You're like, this is Marsha in Paris. Yeah, this is, Marsha in Paris did it first. And, um, you know, my schedule would be like, um, organize Karl Lagerfeld dinner, uh, uh, doing a shoot for Jean-Paul Gaultier and like, Mm -hmm. um, John Galliano. And it was immediately like working at Vogue without the devil, you know, like, like, Devil Wears Prada kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. It was such a beautiful moment in my life. Mm-hmm. And what I got from them is branding and marketing and what it takes to brand a company. So then coming back to Bootsies, this was our first venture after having this hiatus. Yeah. Because I was willing to stick around um, for the sinkage of that ship. You know, mm-hmm. I told John that I got offered a job in Paris and he said, go. And I said, no we're here with Hwood. Yeah. And he said, we're sinking. And I was like, well, then we'll sink together. And he's like, go. Yeah. And when we start up, I'll call you back. Right. And he did. And so if Bootsy's wasn't a hit and that was terribly nervous about what happened before, you know, it's, it's frightening business. Mm-hmm. It, it's day by day. You have to, you know, it's not like, you create a great space and you're good forever. Like yeah. we've got to continue that every single day and strategize that. Mm-hmm. And um, so when Bootsy was, and there was moments like we still had to fight. It wasn't an instant hit. It was in a sense. Right. But each, each month, season, each season yeah. is harder with new places and all the things. Mm-hmm. So it was a struggle, but you know, we had that and then we just grew and it, kept going and, and it wasn't easy again you know we might have had like five places at this time which people would be like success yes in a sense but it was a constant struggle and now we're at such a great place but still we always keep you know we're always in meetings we're mm-hmm. always trying to figure out what's next yeah because you know, culture just moves so quickly especially nowadays like yeah. there's always a new and and there's always a TikTok of a new place, a new restaurant, mm-hmm. a new thing. So keeping people coming back is a challenge. But <laughs> I think through my life experience and my journey, this has helped with, you know, hospitality and communicating totally. with people. And the reason why people come back is because we make those genuine connections. Mm-hmm. And it makes people, you know, want to support you in a way. Like, I'm going to have every birthday party at your restaurant. Yeah. And stuff like that. So Yeah. Well, you make people feel good. Yeah. Because you, like, really get to know them. As you were talking about that, like, relationship skill yeah. that you developed at a young age, being in theater. Yeah. And also, and like... That I, I, have the awareness to know that I still get to use those skills, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm so grateful to have practiced them and, and I want to always be present. And I want to still, I don't want to like float through life. Right. You know, I want to have these connections with people, you know, people go out for different reasons all the time to celebrate, to mourn, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just to pass time, you know, and I hear a lot of people's problems, you know, being out a lot. Oh, yeah. And I'm here for it in a sense. Like, honestly, I have to protect my own energy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But in a in another way, I'm grateful for the position I have and, and that I can, you know, make someone's... Where it might be every night for me, but it might be that just that one night that someone gets. And I have friends that have left, um, you know, left LA and go back and I hear back from other friends like, Literally, they can only talk about the time they've had with you. Every <laughs> dinner we have, they talk about the time they've had with you. You know, and that's really special that that people can hold on to those memories. Yeah. You know, and remember, like, I have, like, people walk up to me and, like, you won't remember us, but we were eating at Nice Guy once, and you asked us what we were doing, and we were there for our friend's uh, engagement. And then you brought us all to Bootsies, and you got us champagne, and we had the best oh night of our gosh. lives. And... I particularly didn't remember that one time, but Mm -hmm. I was so happy that I did all of those things and that they had a moment that they now can't stop talking about. Yeah. And it's like the butterfly effect too. Like imagine what 
comes out of that. Exactly. And like, if you make someone feel good, they're going to have more high vibrational interactions 1, with the people that they go to next. So you're like, you're literally sprinkling like your fairy dust yeah. wherever you go and just elevating that for people. And it's not easy. Like I, it's funny, I'm resonating with what you're sharing about like nightlife because I worked in hospitality for a long time too and in Vegas. So it really big nightclubs and well, curating yeah. parties. Massive scale. Yeah, like win and encore. And yeah. night after night, like you said, I was like, I remember that feeling. But you're right because for the people that are there, they're your guests. Like this is their night. Only this night. is their whatever, bachelorette party or, you know, their spring break or whatever, their their divorce party, like who knows? Yeah. So to like make that a moment for people rather than just like them feeling like they're treated the same as like everyone else exactly. in the venue, it's, it's such a gift and it's, it's cool to just hear you talk about that. It's fantasy. Like it's also, you know, to give someone, there's so much going on in the world politically and everything else. It could be dark, you know, mm-hmm. when I I try to keep up on the news just so that I'm aware and then I put it away and I continue with my day in a positive way, but it can be dark. So yeah. to give someone an escape for a moment, you know, a couple of hours, mm-hmm. why not? And, and it is that effect and that butterfly effect. And I've had people being like, what can I do for you? And I'm like, do it for someone else. Yeah. You know, and that's all you, that's all I need to know is that you can do it for someone else. That's beautiful. Next time you see someone, take them out. Or, you know, even just call up a friend and take them dancing. Yeah. Even if you don't feel like it, they might need it more than anything. And it'll turn on you. And you'll find out that you did actually need (laughs) it. You're like, I actually needed it. Yeah. Um, I know we don't have much time left, but I didn't ask you about your dating life. And this is openly, so we kind of have to talk about that. It's, It's so funny because people are always like, a lot of times like, you're single or this or that, you know, and because I'm out a lot, right? Yeah. It's not, I don't meet like a ton of people to like connect with in that sense. Mm. Um, you know, I went almost, I always say four years, it might've been longer where I didn't have sex at all. Four years without being intimate. Yes. Wow, girl. I mean, it wasn't, I can't imagine. it wasn't something that I was like, I'm proud of or I was striving for. It just happens. It right? just happens. And you, I imagine being like such a boss, you're focused on work. I'm focused on work. And by the end of the day, I have a routine. Mm-hmm. And if I got to think about where you're going to go or like, you know, yeah. all the things. So um, right now, I'm just kind of dating and mm-hmm. and with no like real attachments or commitments right now because that's all I have space for. But who knows? You know, with I think that always changes. And and I just said that, but I think we make time for things we want to make time for. So when that person comes along, or you know, I have that person there, I think I'll know when I can pull back on work mm-hmm. and focus on a relationship. Yeah, you know, it's all a balance and. But for me, it, it is about um, connection, and it's a rare connection, and I know it's rare when it happens, mm. because like I said, I meet a lot of people, and I won't find that connection in that intimate way where I know I can be intimate with someone. Yeah. But um, I'm here for it. Yeah. And I'm open to intimacy and relationship, and I want that for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't need it to define me in any way or I'm very happy with myself in a sense, which I think um, is a lot for a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. to have someone that, you know, I have my practices, my meditation, all those things that is a relationship to me. Yeah. It's a relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And so um, we'll see. We'll see um, in Marsha, Marsha, Marsha season two if I get a bow or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll all be waiting for this and watching for yeah. season two to come out. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just love hearing that, like, it's not some goal that you're moving towards goal. either. And yeah. that you're – because it, it sounds like you're very spiritual. Yeah. Which I love. It could be a whole other episode that we can dive into. It's like spiritual practices and 
and healing work. Um, but to know that like you're focused on these other things that make your life feel really full and that's not like the goal is also almost radical in our right. culture because people I think are born into our culture, which moves you towards like, okay, marriage and kids and like this and that. And Check so, boxes. right. And to I've heard like, girlfriends use that as yeah. like, you've checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Now you just need a baby and a, I'm like, wait, those are, no, there's yeah. not boxes for me. I think that, uh, for myself, because I have all these things brought to the table already, that I only need someone there to compliment it. Mm-hmm. I don't need someone. I don't. I'm not missing anything. But if you want to compliment and celebrate me the way I love me, then that's what I'm here for. Then you're right. welcome into my space. But if you think I'm gonna give you, in a sense, like I'm not here to like replace anything or be right. your rocket launch to something else. Mm-hmm. We're just here to compliment each other. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's how I think it should go mm. for myself. Beautiful to that. I feel like that's, yeah. Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> that's how I always try to think about relationships as well from a place of like, So much know. pressure or anything else. Mm-hmm. When you think one person's going to save you from what? I don't know. Yeah. But like you are, your job is to save yourself, exactly, period. First. Yeah. And then everything else is a bonus. Yeah. But I would love to ask you, because I could talk to you forever. It feels like Same. we might have to do a round two. Right. Um, and I want to go Anytime. out with you. I'm like, I want to well, go out happening. with you. Yeah. Um, I know you're involved with a few organizations and I would love for you to take a moment to highlight them if you want to. I know yeah. like mainly the Trevor Project. Yes. Right. But there's another one. Glad. That, yes, that's right. Um. So that was what I was saying was that um, how I kind of uh, became more active in my own activism was uh, watching uh, Sarah, who's the president of GLAAD, mm-hmm. watching what she does for the organization, watching what um, Ariadne Getty does for the organization. Mm-hmm. Like they're down there. They're listening to what the problems of our community have and they are finding solutions and they are finding the funding. And that is not easy to do is to find money to support these communities, you know, and, and it's a constant ask and it's a constant need. And so what glad does is, you know, they help all aspects of the LGBTQI plus community. Mm -hmm. And, um, the Trevor Project does the same, but the Trevor Project is more of a, a a safe line. If you don't feel safe or in whatever setting you're in, your home, uh, your living space, if you don't feel like you can be yourself or you just want someone to talk to, you can call the Trevor Project. And there's people there that are, and some of my great good friends are there answering phones and they're have the biggest hearts and they will talk you through whatever it is that you need. And it's such a special thing. Cause had I known about the Trevor project when I was a kid about all those times of like feeling frightened and scared, if I just had someone to talk to, it really would have changed those moments to not hurt as much, you know, and to keep you going another day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's the main message is that we, if we can just go another day, it, it, does and can get better and um i think those are those are the two main organizations that i try to focus on Mm, you know thank you we we also have another one that um john sorry that john and i um are really passionate about and it's called imagine la and it helps get homeless families off the street and give them sustainable tools that will keep them off the street and incredible help them manage their lives wow i've heard of imagine la i think they do a lot of great stuff Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to link ways for people to get involved in these organizations in our show notes for sure. Um, But in the meantime, I want people to follow you. I want people to listen to your podcast. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Season two is going to start soon. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. 
Well, very cool. Thank you so, so much for coming here today. Thank you for having me. And this yeah. was so lovely and such a great energy space. And I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we used to do a lot of Reiki in this room. So oh, I think why. it's still yeah. like, it's still here. Good it's still God. lingering like, like a bad alcohol smell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to the great pop culture debate back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.